let's uh, get into our social conversation. We're speaking kidnappings and extortions that have really increased in South Africa. Late Night Conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Social Conversations. Let's welcome our A-team guest, uh, Russell Jones of uh, Security Sprays, as we talk uh, kidnappings and extortion in South Africa. Russell, thank you very much for joining us. Good evening. Uh, good evening, Patricia, and good evening to your listeners. Now, Russell, it's becoming the wild, wild west here in South Africa. So many cases um, have become very predominant around kidnappings and extortion. Uh, this year alone, we've seen so many extortion cases. And it's scary to think that our country has become this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the thing that people need to understand, though, is the risk associated with kidnapping is not just for affluent individuals. You know, your everyday run-of-the-mill middle-class citizen is, is at high risk as well. Now, um, why is it are we at a place where um, extortion-motivated kidnappings are on the increase, especially for business people and foreign nationals? It's easy money for the criminals. At the end of the day, unfortunately, the efficiency and effectiveness of our criminal justice system is just failing uh, everybody all around. And criminals are very, very good at identifying areas where they can take advantage. And one of the ways that they can get easy money and get away with it uh, is with kidnapping. And whether that is express kidnapping, which is the man in the street which they take and hijack, for example, and then take into into your bank account, or for the more affluent individuals who they actually then identify as being affluent and then they, they kidnap them and hold them hostage for, for higher ransom amounts. Do you think it's becoming more prevalent because we are all living a life that is so open and bare on social media? We post the cars we buy, we post our achievements, and some even the bank statements. Um, I don't necessarily think it's due to social I mean, People know more about it due to social media, but it's a trend that's been increasing for many years now. And one of the indications, if you follow the, the, the police reporting stats, is when whenever a crime becomes a problem that requires police intervention or police proactivity, such as crime intelligence activity, to stop, then they actually stop reporting it as an independent crime category, which they did in about a, around about 2016, 2017. Um, and it's something that in what I did is predominantly uh, protecting executives and at that time I was in, in a corporate position doing that. It's something obviously I was I, I used to closely watch and then all of a sudden there were no statistics available. So now the only way you get the information is in the presentations and it's not actually part of a standalone crime reporting category. So as soon as that happens, then you, you always know that uh, it gets... It gets put into another crime category, which I'm not quite sure which one they put it under now, but the the stats just tend to bury it, and so it's difficult for for people to realise then that it is is becoming problematic. Mm. I think maybe we should look at, um, you know, your background, um, because I know that at Security Sprays, you are doing so much to help protect South Africans, especially women. So tell us more about your background. Uh, my background predominantly was in the military, um, both here and in the UK. The UK was special operations where I was uh, involved in covert surveillance against terrorist networks. Um 
then I returned to South Africa on the death of my dad, and I got into the high-risk security and predominantly executive protection. Um, and one of the things with, with me doing that and, and wanting to serve is always to be protect the innocent. Um, and the thing is, is when I see now that, for example, how we have a problem with GBB femicide, I want to give people my knowledge. But in giving people my knowledge, it's a protection professional's knowledge, which is not easy to make simple for most people to understand. So when I looked at alternative ways to help people, especially women, to protect themselves, and that's where now I'm just in the phase of pre-launching a item called the Dolly Guard, which is a functioning umbrella, but it's got a hidden pepper spray in the handle so the ladies can walk around with it all day without the criminal knowing that they've actually got a self-defense weapon in their hand. Oh, I need this one. I need this one, most definitely. Where do I yeah, get hold no. of it? Um, just our website is www.bollyguard.co.za. Say we're pre-launched at the moment, but we are taking orders if the ladies out there are interested. And um, all you need to do to activate is just squeeze. Even in a panic, you know, it's difficult to, to deal with criminals when you get confronted by them because they use what we call in, um, in military terms violence of action and criminals use that as well and all you need to do is, is squeeze your hand and you'll activate it and, and you'll be able to then hopefully get away from the criminal now can we go back to the types of kidnappings that uh, yeah. currently are prevalent yeah well the, the biggest one is is actually and this is where it's at most risk for most middle class people out there if you've got a vehicle for example we all worry about hijackings but now most of the kidnappings that are happening that are reported now by the police actually involve hijacking, which is generally you get hijacked, people then get taken to the ATM and empty out their bank accounts as well. So the criminals just aren't happy with just taking your vehicle. They also want to empty out your bank accounts as well. So that is that is sort of the express kidnapping where it's, it's you're not held for a long period of time. And then when you get the higher level and more affluent people, they are person or their family is held for a higher ransom amount. Um, and it started a few years ago where the criminals understood that there's, there's a limit that people can take cash out before it gets reported and flagged uh, via the, the, um, the banking regulation system. So they knew that a lot of people could pull that amount out of credit cards or out of bonds, and so they were starting to kidnap for that. And, and as as things have progressed now, obviously, the inefficiencies in the criminal justice system have enabled them to now target higher affluent people and with minimal risk to them. And it's all about risk and reward at the end of the day. Mm. And, and um, why is our criminal justice system not able to, to curb uh, these uh, types of kidnappings? Um, look, that, that's probably a whole different subject by itself. But, uh, I mean, the criminal justice, justice system as itself, and again, you know, I've worked with a lot of good cops over the years. I don't, uh, I don't like to speak negatively of them, but unfortunately we don't have a high-caliber police officer in the first place. We don't then have high-caliber training for them to actually put together the cases that will stand up in court. And then that leaves the, the prosecutors with... Uh, insufficient evidence to actually prosecute the cases. But within the case of kidnappings, this is where the things of crime intelligence are vital because 
if you've got criminal gangs and, and the high-end guys that take the, 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 for the high ransoms generally tend to be criminal gangs, you need your confidential informers to get information to the police services, and that's the function of crime intelligence. And without that function being there or being a capable function, then it, it just uh, it just means that you know the police aren't able to act in proactive way to prevent these kidnappings. Now, when it comes uh, to uh, the increase in um, uh, kidnappings and extortion, um, it seems like there's been a, a huge increase since the year 2000. Why is this? Again, it, it just boils down to the inefficiencies over the years and, and how the lack of professionalism has managed to creep into into the criminal justice system. I mean, if you consider uh, with our previous president, the damage that he did to the crime intelligence networks and, and, and it was turned into a political tool as opposed to a tool to serve the people. And that type of damage then just it manifests in the fact that then these crimes become higher. I mean, to give you an example, in, in 2010, the reported kidnappings for the entire year was 2,889. And yet in the last quarter alone, that the last three months of reporting phase, so that's May, June, April, May, and June of this year, we were at three and a half thousand. So, you know, you can see the difference is, is in, in 12 years, it's gone massively that in one quarter of a year, we're having more than we had in an entire year, 12 years ago. Sure. Let's go to a voice note from an A-teamer. Remember, you can send yours as well to 614 We're in discussion with uh, Russell, Russell uh, Jones of uh, Security Sprays, talking about kidnappings and extortion in South Africa. A very wonderful good evening to all A-teamers and Miss Nolly. Um, I'm listening to the topic of today where it comes to human trafficking. You know, this human trafficking is very painful, you know. And um, now my take on this is that the South African police services is not doing its job to the fullest, you know. In as much as they are recruiting youngsters, in as much as they are trying to build a strong subs, but in the true essence of life, the police are not doing their job. This is a major, 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 major disaster when it comes to people now are not feeling comfortable in even walking in the streets, not knowing which car is going to grab them, you know. The police should have been 24-7 in the streets, you know, you're catching the culprits or even trying to investigate, you know, Nubangabana. What is their next move? They, the police should have been a step further to these criminals and these perpetrators of human trafficking. Now, I emphasize on the police services now, to do their job 24-7, 365 days. That's the only thing that crime will decrease. You know, Londoleo. I'm listening and I have so many things to talk about because it's painful, you know. We can't even walk in the streets properly now, being happy and socialized and everything. Little or nine, Pierre Thank you very much. 
Thank you very much, Lita, for that message. And I'm sure, Russell, you heard, Lita, people are scared. Mm -hmm. People, we fear because we don't really know what the motivation behind it is. Someone might kidnap you because they, they are taking body parts. We've had a show around that um, here mm -hmm. on the Late Night Conversations. Others are kidnapping for extortion. So we really just don't feel safe, men, women, adults, and children. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's 100% valid. Unfortunately, you know, South Africa is not a safe place. Um, and the problem, the problem, one of the things that I've done you know, over the years, we've tried to educate people on. Um, when, when I protect people, I look at being proactive. As much because even I can be highly skilled in firearms, I can be highly skilled in unarmed combat, but at the end of the day, there's no guarantee that I have a success using a weapon. So I need to look at identifying threats before they become problematic to me. And over the years of trying to educate people in that, it's it's a very simple process, but there's devil in the details. I mean, the process is quite simple. I need to detect the threat. I need to decide on what action I am going to take, and then I need to do that action, which is a very simple process. It's the same if you're shopping and if you're, or if you're driving. The process is exactly the same. It's just the focus needs to change towards the criminals when you're in an environment. But the problem is, is if people are enjoying themselves relaxed, they don't want to be in that heightened tense all the time. And, and this is something I've come to realize. For me, it's second nature, but for a lot of people, it's not easy for them to do. And that is why things like the bodyguard that I mentioned purely because I realize that women, especially when they get confronted by an aggressive man, you know, it's, it's, it's something that they need readily at hand that they can immediately use because you know, even if they've got another self-defense weapon, they've got it if it's buried in their bag or something like that. You know, it's you've got to have something really available that will stop the victimization at that point. Because all the education programs, all the policing programs, and the procedures, and all that, the police have got to be present. A lot of times, as you've heard from the from the voice note, the, the person doesn't believe that the police are present. Um, the educational programs and stuff like that, it, it takes generations for those things to become entrenched within the community. And, you know, it, it's clearly a battle that we're losing. So um, for me, it is a question that the people themselves have to learn how to keep themselves safe for the most part. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back. A-teamers, uh, we are still in conversation with Russell Sprays. Um, I'm saying Russell Sprays, no. He's from Security uh, Sprays. It's Russell Jones. And uh, we are talking kidnapping and extortion. 0614104107. That's our WhatsApp number. In conversation with Russell Jones of uh, Security Sprays, uh, talking kidnappings and extortion. Now, I've got a message here, Russell, from one of our A-teamers, uh, King St. Nazi, who's listening from Ivory, uh, saying human trafficking is a very huge matter in South Africa. Online platforms are the ones that connect people with the strangers. Flirting online, job hunting, and so many other things. There's also a voice note here from an A-teamer. You know, Katie, this thing of criminal in South Africa will never end because police are not being given enough weapons. You can't tell me you can fight a real war with a 9mm while criminals are holding rifle M16. Come on, Katie. Come on. Government must give the rights. Well, um, my question to you, um, uh, Russell, is 
when a person has been kidnapped and uh, there's a ransom that's being asked for a child an adult whoever it is should one pay the ransom because uh, i see it from the movies they'll say don't contact the police come alone leave the bag of money in such and such a place should we adhere look um it's a difficult one to answer because sometimes you don't know the true intention of the criminal but generally speaking the criminal's intent is to get money. Now, in some cases, for example, the Lee Matthews case all those years ago, she unfortunately was murdered, even though a ransom was paid, and, and it does happen. Um, and unfortunately, getting getting the stats on that is quite difficult because basically to try and get the information out of the police and out of the negotiation stuff and when ransoms are being paid, they, they very rarely release that type of information. Mm. But ultimately... If the intent is if the intent is to get money, generally by getting the money, it, people will then be released. But that's not a guarantee, and this is this is the, the problem with any even normal crime. For example, you get you get hijacked, you might and they take you with you. There's no guarantee that you're going to survive that either. Um, and again, for the ladies, any type of any type of crime where they take you to a second location. You know, brings the whole uh, problem that potential rape and all that as well. And you know, young girls being taken as students and offered jobs and modeling jobs. I mean, the criminals are very creative in what they do. And you know, trying to understand their intent is, is what the problem is. If it's if it's a financial crime such as kidnapping and ransom, generally speaking, they're interested in the money. If they believe that the person can identify them, then the that increases the chance that um, they they will they will use uh, lethal force on that person. Um, with the with the voice note of the person saying the police need more weapons, I don't agree with that because the police have weapons. Um, they need more training and they need better resources in other areas to enable them to actually stop the kidnappings or be able to identify the, the syndicates and and uh, actually stop them. And a colleague of mine who I've trained in surveillance recently was involved in one of these high-profile kidnappings, and he, he phoned me up and said to me, you know, thanks for all the training that I gave him in surveillance because it enabled him to be part of the operation that enabled the rescue of one of the kidnapped, one of the high-profile high kidnapped victims in recent times. So it's, it's not necessarily about arming the the cops with firearms to use lethal force, um, even though there is always that risk of it. But if they have better resources, better crime intelligence, and better training in other areas, that would enable them to do their job better. But you, you just never know in South Africa, like anything from hijacking or any any crime, literally you don't know if you are going to end up seeing the next day or not because mm. it's it's just basically... It's, a, it's, it's almost like a roulette, whether or not you survive or not. And that's why I always take the proactive approach and try people, try and teach people to be proactive, not to get into the situation in the first place, so then you don't have to deal with the potential outcomes. Now, can you give us some tips on how we can try and identify if uh, we are being targeted? Yeah. I mean, it's when, when I said before, you know, that the process is detect, decide, and then do, in the detection phase, the, the, what we call threat indicators is what we look for. So we're looking for things that will identify someone as a potential threat to us. Now, if you're out and about on foot, um, then you have to look at if the person is observant and aware because criminals generally are always very observant because they've always got to keep an eye on their backs in case they're recognized by a police or security and then someone might try and arrest them. But also, if 
um, if they're observant, they might be looking for targets. The next thing you have to look at is if they're loitering. And if it's not just if they're loitering on foot, they can be loitering in a car, in a car park. So if they're loitering, generally a criminal has to identify a target. So they have to loiter in the area where the target is to identify that target. So if you see someone, if you and, and with vehicles, it's quite simple. If you've got two or three guys sat in a car in a car parking lot and they just sat there, what are they doing there? If they're sat outside your house or outside your business, what are they doing there? You know, it's not a natural behavior. Um, so when you see someone loitering in cars or on foot around that you don't know, treat them as suspicious. Um, and again, if you've got security companies that you have available to you, get your arm response to to deal with them. If you don't have arm response companies that are available to you, get involved with the neighborhood watch, know who they are, know who your police sector cars are so that you can call them so that you can at least have some form of a deterrent if you do identify someone that you're suspicious of, um, that you can actually then call a response and get rid of them. Because generally speaking, criminals like their activity, especially like this in the planning phase, to be covert. I mean, surveillance itself is a covert action. So if you compromise that planning phase, that surveillance, then they realize that they've been made, they can't continue to plan whatever endeavor they're, plan they're thinking of planning. So they compromise, so they have to go look for another target. Um, thank you so very much for joining us, Russell. How do we get in touch with you? Um, like I say, uh, through, through the website, www.dollyguard.co.za, um, and people can just drop us emails. And, on, you know, if they follow us on Facebook, we also put stuff on Facebook and some personal safety tips there every now and then as well. Thank you very much for joining us, Russell, and opening up our eyes uh, to what we can do to keep ourselves safe. That's brilliant. Thanks for having me, Patricia. 18 minutes, it's 11 o'clock. It's time for us to go to the news with Greg Hose.